0: Welcome to the mid-vacation episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates. Uh, We're going to be all over the place today. I got about 10,000 different topics we'll cover, uh, but we'll have a good time. Uh, Then we'll get another couple weeks off, get you guys rested, relaxed, and ready to go. Uh, Batteries recharged and ready to go for the football season, which is uh, closing down. We're like 60-something odd days away uh, from the start of football season, so can't wait and excited to do that. Hey, before we get started, I want to remind everybody about our good friends at Cooper Chevrolet, Buick, and Aniston. Uh, guys, finding a car these days is very difficult. Uh, you go to any car lot in America, you can see that they're, everybody's down. Uh, it's hard to find cars. If you need to find a car, you need to call our friends at Cooper Chevrolet. They will get you taken care of uh, very quickly, efficiently, and bring it to you. Uh, you can go to cooperorder.com or call 256 256- 236-4481. That's Cooper chevrolet Buick and Aniston. 256-236-4481. We took a week off uh fresh back from the from the beach uh with the family. Uh we go, which I've talked about here before, we go with my wife's family to the South Carolina coast every single year. Uh just thought I'd share a couple of uh little review with you. We tried Pauli's Island, uh, which is just uh south of Myrtle Beach. Uh, it's the first time we've been there, and I'm a fan. It's kind of a, it's got a little bit of the Gulf taste where there's a lot to do, but it's also laid back. Uh, the big difference for you people uh, that are beach goers during the summer, uh, the biggest difference to me between the South Carolina coast and the uh, Gulf coast is the amount of people. So on the Gulf coast, there's got condos, and every building's got Thousands of people in it. And, and if you want to go to the South Carolina coast, you're Airbnb in a house. And so that's a little bit different. So the the people are down. The beaches are less crowded. Uh, the sand is different. But besides that, it's laid back. And for me and my personality, I like to, you know, unplug, uh, drink a couple of cold beers and, and look at the water. So um, that's uh, that's big for me. So I'm, I'm a fan of the South Carolina coast and uh, I encourage everybody to go to Pawley's Island. Uh, the the fun thing that really wanted me to that it made me uh, want to bring this up is you know how much we like to- talking about ghosts and things like this on this podcast and I did not realize till we got there I was told by uh, my in laws get a kick out of this because of my fascination in uh, my ghost how scared I am of the ghost uh, they informed me that Polly's Island is one of the most haunted places um, in South Carolina. And so I was not participating. I didn't want to talk it into existence. The big thing for me is is I don't want to talk about it. So everybody that made fun of me, uh, they got a piece of their own medicine. So uh, my brother in law Jeff and his wife Megan were staying in a house, and they had a ghost in their house that would talk to them. It only said one sentence. It would say, "Can you hear me?" That's all it said. But everybody thought Megan was joking or somebody was playing a trick on her, but it wasn't. And by the end of the week. Everybody in the house heard it, so I thought that was hilarious that they got the haunted house and ours wasn't. Um, so that's what they get for mass karma. That's what they get for making fun of me for all these years, that they got a beach house that was haunted uh, and then freaked them all out. So I thought that was a lot of fun. All right, we're going to jump into uh, to football. Uh, as always, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, Miami, it came out that they were under investigation, the NCAA investigation uh about their nil uh stuff and and look the ncaa has a history of people that basically dare the ncaa or that uh that kind of stand up the ncaa they're going to come in and they the ncaa has a history as we all well as i well know how about that is they're going to come in and they're going to try to um they're going to investigate you and see if they can find something and in this case, I think the NCAA picked the wrong one. Um, they were going after John Ruiz. Um, and this guy is, I mean, he's daring them. And he will sue them, like we've talked about, into oblivion. But here's the truth, guys, is he's not doing anything illegal. He's a very smart individual. You don't, you don't make that kind of money. You don't become a billionaire by being a dumbass. That, that, that doesn't happen. Um, he's in a very smart human being. Um, he has an, a legal team that will make the uh, 92 NBA dream team Olympic team look look bad I mean he's got a legal dream team that stuff is buttoned up he is doing everything by the book he is doing everything everything right uh, because he's talking about it and because he's being a little boisterous about it and he's not scared to talk and like we said on here before if you want some if you if you want any kind of Nil fun follow John Ruiz on Twitter he talks about it every day And because everybody comes after him and he's just like, here, he's an open book. Uh, One of the smartest things, and he was, like I said, he was playing chess while everybody else was playing checkers. One of the smartest things that he did is he has offered an NIL deal to every single long snapper um, in America. And so he is getting people on other teams and he is representing them and giving them NIL deals where the government or whoever decides to step in, whether it's the NCAA, can't say he's doing it just for the Miami kids. Uh, he's very intelligent in what he's doing. Um, he's got plenty of money and he's, he's buttoning it up. He's above board. You may not like it, uh, but it is what it is. And so I think it's more of a show. Um, maybe the NCAA knew that they weren't going to find anything and just kind of a, as a, Uh, a flare, a warning shot, a shot across the bow to everybody that they will investigate you. Maybe that's why they did that, but you're not going to get anything out of this. There's nothing going to come of this investigation. It is clearly um, maybe they're just practicing investigating. I don't know. They're not going to get anything out of that because he's doing everything right and above board. I know that for a fact. Um, I did know that they were, I was surprised that it broke um, as quickly as it did. I was probably aware that they were under investigation a week maybe before it came out. And usually this stuff stays under wraps for a long time. Um, but it came out pretty quickly and it's because John Ruiz is not going to allow this thing. He knows he's not doing anything wrong um, and he's not going to allow things to go um, unsaid that are true. So he's going to talk about it publicly and I'm sure he, he talked to the right people and got the information out there that the NCAA was investigating uh, Miami. But, Again, they're picking on the wrong one. Um, He's going to have his stuff buttoned up. And, you know, you may not like what he's doing. Um, It may be, you know, against some unwritten rules. But there's nothing he's doing illegal. There's nothing he's doing wrong. Um, There's nothing that Miami is doing illegal. There's nothing that they are doing wrong. They're just they're taking the rules as they are and they're using them to, to their advantage. So kudos to them, and good for John Ruiz. I'll, I'll say it 100 times. I'm going to try to get him on the podcast one of these days. But he is just a um, – he's doing things – being aggressive and doing things the right way, but he's smart, and you don't, you don't get guys that are that smart. You're not going – NCAA is not going to get those guys. Um, let's, let's stay in the recruiting lane for the next couple of topics here. So the first thing I want to talk about, and it, a lot of football coaches are listening, a lot of recruiting staffs are listening. Um, Shout out to my guy, Max, at Cincinnati. He texts me the other day. He listens every week uh, that runs recruiting at Cincinnati. Uh, I just find this hilarious. I was having this conversation, and it's come up like three times this week. So I, I, I don't think it's something we've covered on here. But the the photo shoots and the things that are going on right now, when they dropped the rules, which we talked about them dropping the rules. I think that was in January. I don't even remember at this point in time. But they dropped the rules on what you could do. From photo shoots and things like that, and and everything's gone um, overboard, and so every now it's become this one-upping thing, and so we were we were joking the other day is like so I think the conversation started with the the offensive lineman that has the uh, nickname Pancake, so somebody comes out I don't know who did it first, so I'm not going to sit here and give anybody credit because I don't know who did it. In his photo shoot, he has a stack of pancakes and then he does another photo shoot. And now the pancakes instead of one pancake, it's like three pancakes. And the next one is like four or five pancakes. And it's just like we got this one upping on graphics and things. And it's this really funny uh, when you look at these things. And then we we see, you know, then you start having cars and I don't know who the first one to have cars in their photo shoots and things like that. But it's, it turned into being like a Corvette. Now it was a Bentley. Then it's uh, Aston Martin. And then we're going on to this other thing in a photo shoot. And then literally we saw a deal, I think it was Louisville, where they were, at, they were doing uh, uh, high-dollar cars and private jets in their photo shoots. And so I just think it's the one upping that goes on in recruiting. Um, and the time that it takes to do that is unbearable. And the organization that you have to go through to do these kind of things is unbearable. For somebody that's ran recruiting, it is unbearable. It's not as simple as saying, hey, let's get some pancakes in here. you got to call somebody to cook the pancakes. Well, the pancakes got to be fresh in case he wants to take a bite of them. So now you got to call somebody on a Saturday that's cooking pancakes. I mean, it just gets insane or trying to get the rental cars or whatever you're doing. The level of organization that goes through these things, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It matters not one bit, and I've told this story on here, and I'll tell it again. You're never at the end of the day. It may come down to money now with NIL, but at the end of the day, not one kid's going to say, "Hey, coach, you know what? The reason I'm coming to your school is because I got to take a I got to take a photograph with that Bentley." That's not going to happen. It never will happen. And the amount of time and organization that goes through these th- through these things when it comes to graphics, and so every single personnel person. In here is giving me a high five because this is the next thing we're going to talk about. When this came up, my man Dave Shoemate brought this up the other day. We were laughing. Is there will be a kid, you'll be be running recruiting, and there will be some kid that either, one, you have no chance in signing. You have no chance. Now, maybe you want to sign him and you have a a coach on your staff that just won't give up. I mean, he won't give up. And, you know, somebody on your staff has got to say, hey, bud, look, appreciate your effort but we're not getting this guy. And coaches are competitive by nature. Am one, been one, okay? And you never want to give up. You want to compete till the end. But there comes a point in time where you're like, hey, we ain't getting this guy. Or, or it's a guy that's so far down your board that it doesn't matter, but there's a coach on your staff that's recruiting that guy that really wants him up there because he wants to sign his guy and he's competitive over his kids. And it never fails. It'll be like, it'll be like you'll be searching Twitter on a Sunday afternoon at four o'clock and this recruit has posted a picture of some other school sending his grandmother's, sister's, cousin's, uncle a happy birthday graphic. And it never fails. You'll get that call from, hey, we need, we need to send that, we got to compete. We got to send that birthday graphic today. In the next 30 minutes, a personalized graphic to that kid, his grandma's, sister's, uncle's, cousin's, uh, wife." on her birthday so, you know, we can stay competitive in the recruiting game. And at the end of the day, we put all this effort and all of this stuff that goes into this frivolous things that don't matter. And so one thing I always tried to do in recruiting is keep the main thing the main thing. And because this, it's, it's unrealistic, a lot, of, a lot of things, and everybody thinks that there's just magic pixie dust. That comes from a man, Kevin Steele, used to say that all the time, that, hey, let's just sprinkle some magic pixie dust on it and boom, it'll happen. There's so much organization and things that go around the around uh, behind the scenes that the fans don't see. A lot of times the coaches don't see um, that you get an appreciation of um, when you work in recruiting and you understand what people do behind the scenes and how hard they work. And just to almost get, you know, sometimes slapped in the face because of, of those things gets frustrating. But I bring that all up to say this is – If you're listening to this, you're about four or five days in the recruiting departments. I want to give you all a big high five, man. June is hell month. There's without question, um, undeniable, June is the worst month for recruiting staffs um, ever right now because of the way the new rules are and, you know, bringing in official visits. You have a lot of teams that never did summer visits, but because of NIL and the new rules, they're loading up on summer visits. Um, Talked to – I mean, talked to another staff yesterday that they had never – it's a, we will say it's an ACC school, a power ACC school. You can, you can drama do, uh, pick it out from whatever you want to on that one, but a really good school in the ACC who had never brought in, ever brought in a recruit in in, in the summer ever. And they brought in 31 the first weekend. Um, and it's just, I don't know why 30, 31, it seems to be the number, but there's a lot of kids uh, speeding up the process because the NIL, uh, the process keeps uh, being sped up. And so, it's just June. You're doing that with camps and with unofficial visits and workouts and everything else, and and working with your own team. You got your own kids coming back to school, and you know there's so many things that the recruiting staffs do. It's just June's a hell month, and if you've survived it, guys, I want it's almost over. Give you guys a big high five and a big shout out because I know it's been rough. So, uh, come this time next week, you'll be at the beach. So hang in there. You got about four more days. All right, I'm we'll gonna shift gears. Uh, Got some information this week that kind of uh, skews my opinion a little bit on this Arch Manning deal. So, I do think Arch, the decision is going to come sometime in the next couple of weeks. Um, I have been told that. So, I think it's coming to an end, and I think it's, uh, it's going to help, I guess, set the quarterback market. I know a lot of people are waiting on to see where this guy goes and who goes where and all that stuff. So, a lot of people are waiting on Arch. But here's what's changed is uh, Arch doesn't want any money from the schools. Uh, which was said at the beginning and then it then it kind of got thrown away and then it's back, he wants the schools to save the money on uh, to get other players from NIL's perspective because uh, he's going to get his own NIL deals, which is what we've said from the jump, and he's going to set every record on the man. Um, he's got some good connections there, so he's not going to have to worry about where he's eating next week. Uh, but I'll tell you this, if if money, if school money's not in play, I, I definitely think Georgia's the team to beat here. I could be dead-ass wrong. This is a sisky-educated guess. I could be dead-ass wrong. Uh, but if money's not in play, I don't see how he doesn't to choose Georgia uh, with what they have going right now if money's not involved uh, from the schools. And to my understanding, as of, I guess this was last week, last year, Wednesday or Thursday, I got this information. If that is accurate, um, and which I is a good source, um, I think Georgia's the team to beat here. He's done it. He has, I think this past weekend, did his Texas official visit, did his Georgia before that. So I think this thing's wrapping up, um, and he's not going to be a guy that flips. So um, putting two and two together, I think it goes, Arch will be going to Georgia. um, I think that will be setting the um, quarterback market for that. Um, also on that on that same kind of breath, i will I will tell people this, and I want fans to understand this. Anytime you see a player um, that moves his commitment date, especially and it happened in the past that it happened it's really happening now, that just means that a new offer came to the table. That's all that means. And so anytime you see one change, that means this is translation instead of saying, hey, I'm moving my commitment date back a week for whatever reason. Translation is somebody came in with a new offer um, different from the school that I was going to choose. So now I have to think it again because I think that offer is pretty good. So I may end up going to that other school. Instead of the school I was going to choose today or tomorrow, I'm going to go to this other school because somebody came in with an offer that I couldn't refuse. That's what that means. That's translation for all you fans out there. So make sure that you uh, keep that in mind when you see kids, especially quarterbacks changing their their commitment dates. Uh, quarterbacks, defensive linemen is another good one, and, and skill positions. So D linemen, change their commitment date, something's up. Okay, so that's not just I feel like I need another couple of days to wait on my uh, – to commit on my uh, mother-in-law's, sister's, cousin's uh, wedding anniversary. That means somebody came in with something that, uh, that made me change my mind is what that means. Last week on the beach I had a lot of time to think, and one of the things that uh, I thought about I wanted to bring up that I hope is a byproduct, you know, if there are some good things that can come out of dropping the 25 limit, going straight to 85, is if you're an AD, not changing um, coaches, firing coaches early in the season, letting them finish out. I know we've talked about this before, on here during the football season, which I was uh, very upset when USC last year fired uh, Clay Helton. Me and DJ both were uh, two weeks into the season. I think that's ridiculous, um, and you're punishing the wrong people. You know, I've said this, and if you're new to the new to the podcast, I don't ever understand it. You're doing nothing but hurting your program and hurting your kids. But now with the with the doing away with the twenty five. There's less pressure with a portal um, and how things are so fluid now. Hopefully, a year into this deal, coaches or ADs will see that there is no value in doing that. Um, yes, there's going to come a time when you have to have a discussion and, and discuss employment. But in any sport, I, I just don't understand the, the thought process of wanting to make a change or make some kind of announcement uh, before uh, the season's over with. You're, you know, It's a season-to-season deal. We all know that. We work in a scoreboard business. We all know that. Um, and there's no reason to do it week to week. I think that's ridiculous. So I, I, I think hopefully with the new, the new rules the way they are, you can get to 85 very quickly. So the fact of, you know, you gain nothing by firing a coach, you know, everybody's like in the beginning of the season. Now the argument is, well, we can start our search earlier. Guys, you know who you're going after. OK, every A.D. knows and, they, you know, they talk about everybody A.D. has a list. And you may not have a list, but you know who you're going after. And they're either going to say yes or no. And, and it doesn't matter when you do that. Um, and so for the sake of just the the kids, man, and the student athlete, when you've got a head coach that leaves at the beginning of the season or in the middle of the season and he gets fired, the accountability for those kids going to class and not, and failing drug tests and things like that and, and staying out, you know, getting in trouble, there is no accountability, especially now. You know, this is already becoming the NFL because we're paying the players. Now you go pay a player money and then you try to – and then your coach gets fired. Now you'd go try to discipline now see how that works out for you. It's not going to work. Uh, the portal, all the tampering and things we've talked about, it's a nauseam. So hopefully with this, this, you know, getting rid of the 25 and what that means guys is, is they, they don't have this pressure to go, you know, sign a huge class in December. They have time. And so you're going to have time to develop and bring kids into the portal and get back to the 85, whether you lose them or not. And so hopefully it just, Hey, let's keep it. Let's keep the the main thing, the main thing, which is the student athlete and what their welfare is. And let's keep the guys in there. And hopefully it's a, a byproduct. Um, I know uh, I'm getting a personal kick out of it, which I know many of you fans listening to this are. Um, I'm so excited that uh, we had a little, we had a little thing here in Oxford over the last month where they were trying to fire a guy and he's about, he's in a, he's about to win a national championship. So hopefully um, cause I'm pulling for Carl and, and uh, Lafferty and those guys that I've known for a while and uh, hoping they have a great year, but uh, I think that's something that's uh, pretty entertaining. It's a great story around here right now. All right, the NC, uh, Let's keep back on the NCAA a little bit. This transformation committee. I actually saw something um, that it almost gave me a little bit of hope. Um, the NCAA and their transformation committee, or whatever they're calling it, and they're trying to, you know, change the way things are done. And one thing that came out is you know, they're going they're going to try to do this deal where they speed up the investigations. But the most important thing that came out of that was the bottom part. And if they do this, I am a huge fan. I've said it on here till I'm I'm blue in the face. Uh, We haven't talked about it in a long time. But they're talking about punishing those responsible for the violations and not punishing the student athletes that aren't involved. And we were talking about this back when the Oklahoma State's basketball team got put on probation and things like that is these investigations take so long that the teams that when they go and they punish the school, the people that actually did the things wrong aren't there anymore. And it's some new kid that had nothing to do with it. Um, And a lot of times it's new administration, like literally it's no one. And it just makes – never makes any sense to me. And it's like, yeah, we're punishing the school. I mean, okay. I mean, I kind of get your point that it's the institution, that hired the guy and all that stuff, and he did it at the institution. But at the same time, the same guy gets to go, you know, coach somewhere else. And, and, you know, it's not that, you know, has the show calls and all that stuff. He may not coach in the NCAA, but these high-profile coaches that are, getting, that are getting in trouble, especially, they go coach in the NBA or go coach in the NFL or whatever. Hell, they're getting a raise. They're getting fired up. But the people that get punished a lot of times, again, it's not the head coaches. They don't get punished. It may be the assistant coach on the staff that gets, loses his job because some other idiot did something on his, on his staff, was sloppy, and did something stupid. Or it's the kid that's in seventh grade or eighth grade right now that doesn't know anything about what you're doing, and he's going to turn around and go to your university in four years, and then you're going to put him in probation two years later. Now he can't go to a bowl game because of what happened when he was in eighth grade. And so this is something that, that needs to be done. Um, and, and here's the kicker is if they want to stop this shit, not only do you punish the ones that were, that did the action, need to punish the student athlete that's involved in it too. A lot of times that that doesn't affect the person that took the money. They're doing the same shit. They're taking money for playing, you know, under the table or whatever it was, cheating. They 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 should be punished as well. Um, not just the not just the freaking the coach that did it. I mean, they're just as involved. If you got two people robbing, if you got somebody in the getaway car and somebody robbing the bank, both go to jail for the same amount of time. So. You know they both need to be punished, not just the not just the uh, coach or whoever's involved. So if they want to put a stop to it, that'll stop some of this stuff. But if you just keep letting the guy that's driving a getaway car take his money and just keep robbing banks and keep driving getaway cars, he's going to keep driving getaway cars. If you don't have any um, accountability on the people who actually did the crime, they're not going to stop, and it's just unfair. And we're in this, and we're in this world all of a sudden where everything's got to be fair. Everybody's got to get a trophy. Well, if we're going to be fair, let's be fair and not allow the and and the people who had nothing to do with it not get punished. And so hopefully they do this and it gets passed. And these these votes are supposed to be coming up pretty quickly. And maybe we'll have an answer to this before football season uh, actually starts. So uh, maybe that'll work out. And and hopefully they'll do something uh, right. And this would be something right. So I'm pulling for you to do something right, NCAA. All right, last thing. um, I know this is a football podcast, but I couldn't help it. Um, As all of you know that listen every week, I am a big-time golf fan. I am a terrible player um, that hits it a long way into the woods, uh, but I love watching it. Um, The Live Golf Tour has been discussed for over a year, maybe longer than that, about this new tour coming around. Um, And it kind of never took shape, and all of a sudden, bam, the PGA Tour got hit in the face with it. And basically, if if you don't follow it, the Saudi, a Saudi-backed uh, company or organization, I guess, is basically funding, paying all of these PGA Tour players to come play on their tour instead of the PGA Tour. And so the PGA Tour, they're in trouble, and they're losing – um, as of this morning, Brooks Kepka has been announced that he's leaving to go to the Live Tour. Uh, and then Phil Mickelson's going to the Live Tour. But here's where, you know, it's bad for the fans. That's, I guess, if I had a take on it, it's terrible for the fans because you're going to have, a, regardless of what happens, not every star is going to go over there. Not every star is going to stay. You're going to have a split tour. Um, but the PGA Tour is in trouble, and they really have two options. They can either A1 go and beg the USGA, beg the PGA Championship, and beg the Masters uh, to not let these guys play in majors, and they'll stop going. Don't think that'll happen, Uh, but that's an option that they have. They'll beg. That'll be the first thing they try to do is beg for that. Or two, they got to pony up and pay the players. Um, But here's the deal. This is where – this is the only reason we're talking about this today, and I get a little frustrated from time to time with this, is because I was watching – getting ready. I I, I do DraftKings and do – Uh, fantasy lineups for all these tournaments and stuff. And so I'm watching, getting ready for the U.S. Open, which is a big one, uh, one of the majors. And I see this interview with Phil Mickelson. And they ask Phil Mickelson about, are you going to write a personalized letter to all of the the victims of 9-11 and tell them why you're taking the money? Are you going to take your money and you're going to donate it to the victims of 9-11? And... I just was really taken back by that. That's that's bad ball by the media person. Um, I mean, this is about the money. And where I get frustrated is we pick and choose who we pick on, and we don't tell the full truth. Um, like a majority, not a majority, but a ton of the, the the companies that sponsor the PGA Tour are backed by the same group, same Saudi group. Disney, ESPN, backed by the same group. Our president is going there to meet with the same people about getting, getting uh, more oil to drop gas prices. But we're going to ask that kind of question. It's about the money. Like, what are we doing? Why are we putting politics in sports? I don't, I don't understand that. And that bothers me. It's about the money. And I would like – I wish one of these guys, and maybe Brooks Koepka, he'd be the one to do it because he, 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 he's not scared. But you know what they should ask is they should say, hey, they should flip the question back on the reporter and say, hey, look. And, and let, me, let me be clear for the people that don't know, these guys are getting paid like ridiculous amounts of money. And so I'll give you an idea. Dustin Johnson, number one player in the world for a long time, you know, hasn't been number one probably a year or two, whatever it was. But he has been the number one in the world – for a good bit of time, one of the best golfers out there. He is getting older. He's like 38. He had made $78 million his entire PGA Tour career. That's his career earnings, not counting endorsements, but $78 million. By signing his name on a piece of paper to go to that tour, they paid him $150 million by signing his name. So his whole life has worked to get $78 million, but signing his name he got 150. million. And then when you win these tournaments, they're not playing as often. It's a 54-hole event. It's a short deal. They're trying to, they're trying to create a tour that's for the, for the younger group, and I'll explain that in a second. But they're getting four and a half to $5 million by winning a tournament that has 48 people in it. Charles Swartzel made 25% of his career earnings in one weekend by playing golf. It's about the money. Period. It's not about – Phil Mickelson's not doing this to, to flip off the, the – and I don't even like Phil Mickelson. Let me go – let me state that. I don't like Phil Mickelson. I don't like Patrick Reed. I don't like Bryson Dishambeau. Don't like him. Okay, as a fan, don't like him. But this isn't – they're not doing this to, 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 to show shame or throw shade on nine eleven victims. Where does that question come from? Like that person needs to be slapped. It's really ridiculous. It pisses me off. They need their ass kicks, what they need for asking dumb ass questions like that. But nobody holds them accountable. But if you ask the same reporter, if you ask the same exact reporter, look, I know you probably make, what, $50,000 a year being a reporter, if you're just a guy, maybe some more. If they offered you $5 million to cover the Live Tour and be our exclusive media uh, cover cover person for the for the Live Tour, would you be, hell yeah, they would sign up. The hypocrisy is so thick, it pisses me off. Look, guys, this is about the money. And if you did the, and they got now, the Saudi people, they got real money, okay? And you know what they could do? They could also start an NFL league. They could go back to USFL. And I guarantee if they came in and said, hey, Aaron Rodgers, look, I know you make $50 million a year, but we're going to pay you $300 million to go be the quarterback for the Birmingham Stallions. Aaron Rodgers is packing his shit up and going to Birmingham. It's about the money, period. And just like for everybody listening to this podcast, it's about the money. There's no politics involved in this. But one of the problems that the, the golfers have had is just say it's about the money. Just go ahead and say, help, yep, I'm going because of the money. Sorry, guys. I'm an independent contractor. I'm an athlete. My prime's coming to an end. I'm going to take the money. And so I don't understand why we have to get so bent out of shape about this. Because any person in their right mind, because your loyalty, number one, lies at the house. And, you're, and, and you go to me and everybody's like, well, how much money is enough money? guys?" And if you've ever been in those shoes, okay, you can't question a man in these shoes. But any person that's listening to this podcast, if somebody offered you twice to sign your name on a piece of paper, I want everybody, let's do an exercise. Let's think about your career earnings, as much as you've earned in your life. And somebody offered you to go work at another company, whatever your job is. Your rival company comes in and offers you, you don't give a shit who backs them. If they come and offer you twice, what you've made in your entire career to come over and work for them, your ass is gone. Not, that's not your salary. That's your signing bonus. That's just to come to the company. Your ass is gone, every one of you. And if you say, you're, nope, I'm staying here because it's, you're a liar. That's what you are. You're a liar. You're full of shit. If, that's, if, that, if you say you're not doing that, you're full of shit. And so let's let's keep this politics shit out of the deal and keep it about what it is—the money. Ask the question: Is this about the money? Ask the question. If you want to ask a question, ask that question. But keep all this. I was really pissed off because I'm I'm really sensitive to the 9/11 deal. Just me personally, I'm really sensitive to it. Um, it's definitely it's my Pearl Harbor for my generation. Um, I've been to. I watch. It, it's it's a day I will never forget. Uh, one of the saddest days in my life, if not the saddest day of my life um, as a citizen of this country. Um, and that really pissed me off that you would go there um, or reporters allowed to go. I mean, it's Freedom Press. They can ask what they want to. But that doesn't need to be uh, left alone, in my opinion, as far as being able to ask those questions, because it, it doesn't have shit to do with why somebody goes and and, and plays golf on another tour. They're going to play golf on another tour because they want to make more money. But but let's be let's go pick on these guys because it's easy, and and don't go ask the real questions. That you if you want to ask those kind of questions, there's a there's a bunch of companies that you can go ask those questions to. But this is about the money. This is about athletes doing their deal. And you know what? If they came and sponsored an NCAA deal, and you go at, and you go double somebody's career earnings, their ass is gone too. It is what it is, and so. Anyway, that's my, soap, that's my soapbox. I was really pissed off about that last week. Um, I, I just disagree with everything that goes on with trying to uh, bring politics into sports. I've said that last year. I'll keep saying it. Politics does not belong anywhere in sports. To leave the shit out. And we keep trying to bring it in and bring it in and bring it in and bring it in, and, it, in and it doesn't belong. And, and, you know, it's just it is what it is. All right, that's a good, that's a good place to kind of uh, end that before I get too pissed off. I was already hot. Sorry, guys but um, i'm going to remind everybody we're going on vacation Um, we're going to take a little bit of break here we're not going to do an episode for the next two weeks so this will be the last episode for two weeks Um, i'm going to uh, florida with my son's baseball team for their uh, world series Uh, panama city beach making a return trip haven't been back since spring break of 98 so club la Vila, here we come i was joking my wife did not think that was very funny Um, I tried to talk my wife into seeing if she wanted to go back to Club Vila to relive some of our younger days back in the spring break of 98. She didn't think it was too funny. Uh, But we'll be back, and then next week's 4th of July, uh, that Monday, so we're not going to take that week as well. Uh, We're going to get recharge our batteries here as well. I encourage you guys to do the same. Look, guys, take time. Um, I know a lot of coaches will be, a lot of coaches that are listening right now. It is a crazy business that we've chosen um, that I thank goodness I'm out of, but that you've chosen and you're still in, take time on this vacation to basically re-recruit your family. Spend that time, hold your loved ones dear, um, and really, uh, and you know, spend some quality time with your family. I think that's important. Um, and to recharge your batteries and kind of know what you're working for. You know, so, You know, you always want to know what you're fighting for and, you know, understand what you're working for and what you're doing this for. Um, and make sure you enjoy your families over the next few weeks. And then when we get back in July, it's going to be ball time. It's time to go. It's almost here. It's hard to believe that it's almost here. It seems like the off-season has gone by fast this year. Uh, but, but she's here, and let's go. Um, but we'll be back with you guys uh, in the – I guess that will be the second week in July. We'll be back with you guys uh, bright and early. And until next time, take care.